Amen. Thank you, Heather, for that special. It's good to see each of you today. I hope that you've had a, a good week. I know for uh, many in our church, this week's been a, a difficult week. We've had several funerals. Um, pray, if you would, please, the Carlsons. Um, Monica's stepmother passed away, and they're away at the funeral this weekend. And Lori Mitchell, uh, her mother's funeral was yesterday. And uh, I know they appreciate all those that uh, have been a, just encouragement to her, those that were there at the funeral, and a help to her. And uh, I want you to pray, if you would, please, for the foremans. Continue to pray for them. There's Sam Foreman is down front here. His wife teaches in uh, our teen girls Sunday school class, and so she's there. But they, uh, this last week, uh, I guess a little over a week ago now, they lost their son in a motor uh, car accident uh, on 75 um, Friday evening. And uh, Wednesday was the funeral uh, for their family. And I must tell you, it, I don't know if I've been to a more Christ-honoring funeral than... Um, than uh, Matt's, Sam. Just, uh, just a, an amazing, amazing time. It was an emotional time um, as I sat there, just thought how difficult it would be. I think Matt was 41, is that right? Matt was 41, he was in the vehicle with his 13-year-old daughter um, when, um, when they hit that semi. And uh, we thank the Lord that his daughter was not um, injured badly, um, physically, I guess, emotionally, that's a difficult thing for a 13-year-old girl. But um, I know their family is just so um, thankful for those that have brought meals, cards, those that attended the funeral, just those that have loved on them during this very difficult time. And uh, I want to thank our church family for that on their behalf. And um, it's not just now, but weeks from now, months from now, um, years from now, anniversaries, birthdays, special events, um, there's somebody missing. And um, just, uh, just remember that church family. I looked at my, my calendar. I, I, I try to keep up when someone, there's a death. And I, I looked over the last two weeks, or the next last week and upcoming week, and there are so many in our church that I have my calendar, just a funeral service of, of someone that they love. And um, it just reminds me that people are hurting all around us. And we can, we can go on with life, and sometimes we can make life about us while there's people all around us that we could be serving and loving. And so I just want to, I want to um, just continue to remind us to, to reach out, to love people that are hurting, to love people that are going through trials. They need us. And um, God has you in a, a place to, to help people. And um, so thank you so much for encouraging these that um, have lost those that they love. And um, please continue to do that. Acts chapter number one, if you would, please. Acts chapter number one. We're going to look at um, the first 14 or so verses of this, of this uh, chapter. Now, I told my uh, wife, I've, I've even put it on a video, so I, I have to keep to it. I said, we're going to change service times, but I am going to stay on time. And, and uh, we're not going to add 10 minutes to the end of the second service. And, and um, so my family was, was 
joking with me. Um, well, they were joking behind my back. I, were, they, I heard them saying this from the other room. Um, you think dad's going to stay on time? And, and uh, they were placing bets. You believe that? The pastor's kids were placing bets. Can you believe that? A pastor's wife, I think, was in on it as well. And um, so I'm going to preach on gambling next week. Um, but uh, one of them said, if dad finishes on time, then it's true. Miracles do happen. And so you, you um, God, help my family. Help them, please. You pray for us. Verse 1 of, of uh, Acts chapter 1, the, the former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom uh, to Israel? This question kept coming up. They, they thought this is what this was all about. They still don't, didn't, this, by this question, they still didn't fully understand what Christ was doing and what he did. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons, which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. Now, sometimes when we read scriptures, we just kind of read and read past certain things. I, I want you to think about what's happening here. They're talking to Jesus, and all of a sudden, he, he's ascending. He's gone. And they, they've not seen this before. They, they don't understand fully what's happening. This Jesus that they've followed, this Jesus that they've given their life to, all this turmoil and all this confusion that's happening in their world and happening in their lives. And in Jesus, he's, they're trying to understand, are, are you now going to set up your kingdom? Is, is this the time now we've been waiting for? And then he, he's gone. He's, he ascends up into heaven. And they're just doing, obviously, what we would be doing, just staring like, what? just happened. And when that happens, the Bible says in verse number 11, which also, uh, or verse 10, and they, uh, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And a Sabbath day journey could be about a half a mile or up to a mile or so um, is what they tell us. And, and so it's not a, a long distance, but they're only allowed to travel so far on a Sabbath. In verse number 13, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where they abode Peter, 
James and John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, his son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zealot, Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And so we find Jesus's family there with the apostles here. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we, we need you today. Lord, we acknowledge the fact that we need you every day. Lord, this week there's been some that have shed so many tears, probably to the place where they, there's no more tears to shed, but they keep crying. And Lord, there's turmoil or confusion. Lord, there's some that this week that we know of. Uh, Lord, I think of Debbie who got news there's more cancer. And, and so, Lord, I just pray that you would comfort so many in our church. Lord, I pray that you make us a, a church that loves people, that are concerned with the needs of others, that shows the love of Christ. And Lord, um, more, may they witness that in us. May people see Christ in us. And I pray, Lord, as we look into this passage of Scripture today, would you help us? I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and speak to the hearts of your people here Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior today, I pray they'd be saved. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them, show them that salvation is not found in a church, it's not found in religion, but it's found in a person, it's found in you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the cross, thank you for the resurrection, thank you for salvation that we have through your Son. And Lord, I pray today that you would just give peace to hearts, and uh, Lord, um, just make us conscious of the fact that you're in control, that you love us, that you supply our needs, and we'll praise you for it. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to mention to you, too, I failed to do that. I want you to pray for Debbie Williams as well. Is that Debbie back there? I see her back there. Debbie has uh, got some report this last week as well. She had um, her cancer had come back, and uh, they, they saw a a spot and they told her it would be um, treated by um, chemo or by surgery. And when she went back this past week, um, they found another spot as well. And so uh, would you just pray for Debbie Williams as well? I know many of you are praying for her and we'll keep you updated uh, on her cancer as well, but uh, continue to pray for her. That was obviously not news that she was um, uh, expecting to hear this past week. But in Acts chapter one, I want you to think about, if you would, the followers of Christ, the place they find themselves in. They're, <clears throat> they're in a place, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, there's much turmoil. There's a lot of confusion. They, we're going to see in the next chapter or so, we'll find what is called the day of Pentecost where 3,000 souls are saved. You're gonna find a place where Peter preaches and, and many are added to the church. And well, what an exciting time. Could you imagine a, a church service where 3,000 people are saved? I mean, what a, what a wonderful time that would be. The Holy Spirit of God comes down and convicts people their need of a Savior. Boy, what a revival service. And then from that point forward, um, the Bible says that they were added to the church daily. People continued to be saved. People continued to get baptized. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was confusion, but it was awesome confusion. 
I mean, people are coming in and, and, and no place to live. And so they were, strangers were taking strangers in. And just because they were saved now, they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And they were, they were selling all they had and, 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 and helping each other out. And boy, what unity it was. What a, an incredible picture of the New Testament church. But in Acts chapter 1, we're not there yet. In Acts chapter 1, there's a lot of turmoil in Israel. There's a lot of turmoil in the world. There's these disciples, these apostles that have given their life to Christ and they followed him for some three years. They gave up everything that they had. And, and, and during that three years, they were still confused. They still didn't fully understand everything that was going to happen. Jesus said that they were going to tear the temple down in three days, and then he would, he would build it back up again and, and rise it up again. And they, they thought he was talking like literally about the temple, not about he himself. And, and so he would teach them, and they wouldn't understand. They saw so many things transpire and take place. And then ultimately what they saw was they came to a place in a garden where Jesus was taken. He was arrested. He was tried. Everything that they accused Jesus of, his disciples knew were untrue. And here, here's Jesus, the son of God. He claimed to be the son of God. They, they saw him perform miracles, but he couldn't get himself out of the situation that he was in. But what they didn't understand is that he wasn't supposed to get himself out of that situation, that that was the purpose of him coming. It was not to set up the kingdom here in Israel and free them of the Roman occupation and reestablish the kingdom of Israel like they hoped for and they thought. He was coming to go to the cross to die. He was coming to be placed into this, this borrowed tomb and, and then resurrect from the dead on the third day. That was what his purpose was. And so they find, they come to the end of the gospels and they find that all of this has happened in their life and they're trying to figure out what is going on, this turmoil. The Romans were occupying their land. The religious rulers were against them. This man, Jesus, who they've followed, was, was killed. He was crucified. He was brutally beaten. And at this place, as we read this portion of Scripture, to understand what the disciples were going through, so much was happening in Jerusalem. Just uh, 40 days or so previously, when he was there on the cross, the sky in the middle of the day turned black and the veil in the temple was rent and, and, and all these things are being discussed and talked about. An earthquake uh, uh, happened there in that city during this time and, and there's so much talk about this man, Jesus. But also, I want you to think of what's going on in the apostles' lives as well. There's some guilt. There's some shame. There, there, there's some confusion that's gripped these apostles because when Jesus needed them the most, the apostles ran. When, when Jesus needed them the most, Peter cursed and said, I never knew him. When Jesus hung there on the cross, it was John and, 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 and his mother Mary and, and, and a few other ladies. But where were all of these apostles? Where were all these followers? Where were all of these 5,000 that were fed by a miraculous work of Jesus as he fed them those loaves and those fishes? Everyone that was healed, where were they on this day? The apostles ran. They were afraid. Judas is now... He's now hung himself in guilt and shame because he, he uh, sold Jesus for a few pieces of silver. The other apostles are trying to just figure out what's happening. 
They placed him in this tomb. They saw this take place. And then as they went to visit him in three days, he was not there anymore. And he was, it was told that he had, he had uh, uh, resurrected from the dead. We find in the first uh, uh, chapter here, as we read, we find that he appears to them after the resurrection. And it said of some 500 witnesses saw him within that 40-day period after the resurrection. It's not just a small group of people. He appeared to some 500 people there in Israel and Jerusalem after his resurrection. And now they are here in the book of Acts. But all of that being said, they're here with some turmoil. They're here with confusion. They don't have it all figured out. There's confusion all around them. And I thought about, as I read this portion of Acts and just studying ahead over the next even couple weeks of, from reading Acts, thinking about Easter coming up in just a few weeks, several weeks. I thought about how these apostles lived, and the reality is this. There's many people in our world is a world of confusion and turmoil, isn't it? My wife and I, we, I, I uh, taught at a couple's retreat in Berlin, Ohio, this uh, Friday and Saturday, and it was so refreshing. We, we went away. It was a, a three-hour drive and a three-hour drive back. And, and uh, she said, who has a couple's retreat? You're three hours there, three hours back, and you're not even there 24 hours, you know? But that's what, uh, that's what we did. And no TV. I made a commitment to my wife. I was going to put my phone down. I wasn't even going to look at the phone. And it was really nice from Friday night to Saturday evening by the time we got home. It was nice not to have anything like screaming in my ears. It was tempting. I had, I had, to, I had to really resist. I was laying there on the bed and, and my hand grabbed the remote and my fingers were twitching. I was looking for Fox News. I needed, I needed my, my night of Fox News. And my wife said, put it down. You can do this. And I put the remote down. And, but I needed that, that fix of what's going on in this world. I'm in like horse and buggy land and, and the world has come to a stop and the reality is all around us, there's turmoil and there's confusion. There's, there's Christians that are the same place the apostles find themselves in and it's not because of lack of faith. It's not because they don't believe in Christ. It's not because they've left the faith or walked away. It's just because the circumstances in your life, sometimes they just don't always make sense. I want to give you some things that God reveals to the apostles and he reveals to us today as we can read through this passage of scripture. I want you to see with me in verse number seven, the Bible says this, and he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. I don't like that. Because I like to know it all. I don't like to look at tomorrow without knowing what's going to happen. Matter of fact, I make it a practice. I look at my calendar the, day, the night before and seeing what's on my calendar for the next day and prepare myself for what I'm going to, to face or have to deal with. I like to know what to expect. How many of you like to, to know what you're expecting? You're a bunch of control freaks, aren't you? You like to be in control, don't you? I don't like to be out of control. 
I, I, I want to know what tomorrow holds. That, that way, and, I, and if I've even convinced myself, in order for me to make a good decision today, I need to know what tomorrow is going to be all about. But here, God is revealing something to the believers, and that is this. You are not going to know the times or the seasons, the things, the place that you're in in your life. You are not in control of it. But I'm glad the verse doesn't end there. Because the Bible goes on to say this, which the Father hath put in his own power. You see, even when today or tomorrow seems like it's out of control, when I don't understand the, the future, when I don't understand the turmoil, the confusion that's going on, and I might feel like I'm out of control, the wonderful thing that I learned from the word of God is this, that God reveals his sovereignty, and God says this, when you don't know what to expect, when you don't know what the seasons hold, when you don't know what tomorrow looks like, have confidence in this, that God knows that it's in his power. There's no situation that you're going to face that is going to surprise God. There's no circumstance that you're dealing with right now that God is not in power and in control. And sometimes God gets us to a place where we don't understand what to do. And listen to me, Christian, that's a wonderful place to be because when we get to that place, we can have confidence that we're in the hands of a God that does know what's going on. He reminds, he reminds here the people that are wise enough just to listen. The Father hath put in his own power. He reminds us this, that God is in control. He, he, hear me, Christian. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening in your life. I, I don't even fully understand what's happening in my own life. I don't know what's happening in this world. I don't know what God has planned. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I can have confidence in this, that I serve a God that does. He is in control. He, he reminds us here in Acts chapter number one that he knows the seasons. How many of you thought it was spring? Did it, did it snow in Toledo Friday or Saturday? I, I, I got home, and because I wasn't looking at my phone, I got home and somebody texted me a picture of snow. And I said, that, there's no snow where we're at. I guess it snowed here. And someone said, I thought it was spring. I got up this morning and it's cold out. Someone, that, that groundhog needs to be, he needs to be shot is what that, that groundhog needs. Somebody needs to get a rifle out and take care of that thing. You're a bunch of control freaks, and he's a liar, you know? We, we got some problems here with... It's supposed to be spring. You know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God knows the seasons, that God's in control, that none of these things surprise him. He reminds us here in this passive scripture that it's his time and that things are in his hands. I, I, I like things done yesterday. How many of you like things done yesterday? I, I don't like to wait. I, if, if, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Let's get it done. You, you go into a store, and, and well, nothing aggravates me more than going to a store and having two people in line in front of me. Open another register, right? I mean, two people, that's too many people. I don't have time for this. We, we want we wanna things to happen. Listen, God has a way of working things out, making them happen, and not in our time, because if it happened in our time, we would probably be wrong most of the time. 
But in God's timing, he's always right. It's always the right time. He's never wrong. And reminds us that his time, that time is in his hands. And we want to know the next steps. If I only knew tomorrow, then I, then I, then I know that, that I can have confidence. Listen, we don't need to know tomorrow. We need to know the God that holds tomorrow in his hands. God never promised to reveal tomorrow to you. You know what he promised here? That tomorrow's in his power. I want you to see in verse number eight, I've got to keep my promise to my kids here or... Um, Verse number eight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I want to break this verse down. And I want you to write this down. Number one, in verse seven, we see God reveals a sovereignty. And number two, in verse number eight, God reveals our hope. He reveals our hope. Or, 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 or write this down. God reveals your hope, my hope. He reveals my hope. He says this in verse number eight, but ye shall receive power. Ye shall receive power. This life is too hard to live it in our own strength. Have you tried? I've tried. I've tried to make decisions in my own power and my own wisdom. And you know what happens? Most of the time I fail. How many of you, you thought so, you were so right today only to find out tomorrow you were so wrong? <laughs> what happened? You relied on your own wisdom, your own power, your own strength. Listen, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know the seasons that, that we're facing in verse number seven, but we know that God is sovereign, but we also don't have to face them powerless. We have power, but the power doesn't come from you. The power doesn't come from you digging deep and finding that with inside of you. The power comes, the Bible says in verse number eight, after that Holy Ghost has come upon you. We as Christians, we can live lives of victory. We can live lives of strength. We can live lives of hope because there is power that's given to us, but that power is not in who you are. That power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. The apostles were confronted with so many obstacles. The apostles were confused all of these events in the apostles' lives were happening all at once. And what do we do? Do we run? Do we go back fishing? Do we leave this Christianity? Do we, do we forget about Christ? Or No, no, no. There's power that you can stand, that you can stand in that, that day that's confusing to you. You can stand in that day that seems like it's nothing but turmoil. There's power that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. An old Christian today, would you live by that power? The apostles here, Jesus is crucified. Jesus, he's, he's, he's put into the grave and now he's alive. How do we deal with all of this? Have you ever came to the place in your life where you thought this, how do I deal with all of this? How do I deal with this confusion or how do I deal with this turmoil? How do I deal with these, these problems that have arisen in my life? Number one, realize this, that God is a sovereign God and he is in control. And number two, understand this, that you will have power, but it's not power that you find in yourself. It's not power that you find in some humanistic thinking. It's power that only comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And that power is available to every single believer. 
Because the moment you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God began to dwell inside of you. He speaks to you. He comforts you. You do have power to live today. Listen to me, Christian, you don't have to quit in face of turmoil, in problems, in difficulties in life. There is power today because that power comes from God. You can make it during a turbulent time in your life. You do, not ha- you do have hope for today and for tomorrow and forever because of the power that God gives through the Holy Spirit. Every single Christian here in this room you can live the victorious Christian life. You don't have to give up. You don't have to run. You don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to think it's hopeless because God reveals to us, he's sovereign. He reveals to us our hope and that hope that is this, there's power. You can find peace. You can find promises in God's word. You can find calm in a chaotic word because there's power. And and that's what God was revealing to the apostles during this turbulent time. So what do we do? Nothing depend upon God. Sam's encouraged me every time I talk to Sam. He's one of those you try to encourage and he ends up encouraging you. Sam, hang in there. He says, I am. Sam, don't give up. God's in control. I know. He ends up preaching to me. Sam, you've lost your son in a tragic way. Don't give up on God. He says, that's never been a thought. What's he experiencing? Power. Power that comes because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of him and he can live a victorious Christian life in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of misunderstandings and not sure why, knowing this, that God, you are in control and I can get through this because of the Holy Spirit of God and the help he gives. Would you write this down? Number three, God not only reveals power, he not only reveals um, uh, his sovereignty or his, our hope, he also reveals our plan. Look what he says. I want you to know that I hold all seasons in my hand. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I want you to know that all power comes from me. And number three, look what he says. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other most part of the earth. And Christian, this is what God wants you to understand. In a chaotic, turmoil, hectic world where things don't make sense, We depend upon a God, a sovereign God, so that we realize it does make sense. He is in control. Our power comes from him. For what reason? So that we can share this good news with the world around us. It's not for you just to keep in and hold in. It's for you to share. What does he want them to do? I want you to share with everybody in Jerusalem what God has done. I want you to share with everyone in Jerusalem that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he shed his blood and he went to the grave and he rose again. And I want you to tell everyone how confused you were. And I want you to tell everyone how scared you were. And I want you to tell everyone though that God has it all under control. I want you to tell everyone that God has given you power and strength to live this life and this This too is available to you. Your life ought to be lived so that you can share the message that Jesus Christ lives and all hope is in him. 
You see, God reveals his sovereignty. He reveals our hope. He reveals our plan. And, and fourthly, God also reveals something that ought to excite us. I, I sat here on the first row or stood here on the first row as we were singing some of these songs this morning. And boy, my, in my heart, I was getting so excited. Matter of fact, I cried a little bit standing here on the front row as we began to sing that Jesus Christ is coming again. I can't wait for that day. Look what he says in verse number nine. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. That seems hopeless. Like he's gone now forever. Will, will I ever see him again? All right, it wasn't enough I saw him crucified. It wasn't enough that he was placed in the grave. He arose, but now he's gone. And they which stood by there, ye men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. You know what they were saying there? Jesus is coming again. Don't lose hope. Jesus said this, I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing a mansion, a place for you in heaven. If it were not so, I would have told you. He, what he was saying is, I'm not lying to you. I'm not telling you a story. I'm telling you the truth. I'm coming again, Paul told the church. In 1 Thessalonians, he began to tell them that Jesus is going to come. A trump's going to sound. And we're going to, those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds to be with him forever. Listen to me. There's going to be a trump that's going to sound. This world may seem chaotic. Your life may seem like it's out of control. You might look at things and say, I don't understand this God. But he's said this, I want you to understand that Jesus, the one that just left this way, he's coming back again. Oh, Christian, as we sing about the second coming of Jesus, we sing about going to heaven. That ought to give us joy to know that our Savior didn't just leave us here. He's coming again. Oh, boy, that ought to make us sing. It ought to make us rejoice. Not only did he reveal his second coming, number five, verse number 13, the Bible says this, and when they were come in, they were, went up into the upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James and the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealots and, and Judas, the brother of James, all of these people. You know what he was revealing? He said there, he's, that Jesus is, is revealing to them, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. He's got others that are believing in him as well. There's others that are coming together, and I hope that this morning you have come around other people that believe in the sovereignty of God. I hope you come around other people that believe in the hope that God has given us. I hope you've come around other people that are, that are witnessing about Jesus Christ and who he is. I hope that you come around others that as we sang this morning that Jesus Christ is coming again, that rejoice in their spirit. I hope that you come around others. Church is a place where we come around others to be encouraged and what we believe. You, you know what verse 13 showed me? You're not alone. You, you see, sometimes Satan will get you to think that you're all alone. There's no hope. That this Christian life is a lonely place. You're the last martyr for the Lord. You know, sometimes Satan will beat in my ears and will say that, the same thing. It's gonna fall out. The bottom's gonna fall out. 
Boy, I love coming and finding others that are encouraging, others that we find strength in, others that we find support in. I want you to look around, Christian. You're not alone. There's people that believe that God is in control. There's people that believe that, 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 that our hope is, is found in the power of God. There's people that are witnessing of Jesus Christ. There's people that believe that he's coming again. You're amongst friends. You're amongst other believers that you ought to find encouragement today to know that you're in your place. And lastly, and I'm done, verse number 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary the mother of James, and with his brethren. God reveals our responsibility. And your and my responsibility today is to be in one accord in prayer and supplication. You see, God reveals his sovereignty. He reveals the source of his power. He reveals that we're to be witnesses. He reveals the second coming. He reveals that you're not alone. You know what also he reveals? That you have a responsibility. Your responsibility is to come to the brethren with one accord with prayer and supplication. You know what the apostles are gonna realize? Life's not about them. It's about Jesus. It's not about them, it's about others. And the only way that you can live in unity in one accord is when you put others first. When you put Christ first in your life. You then can come because life isn't about me. Life is about giving the gospel to others so they too may enjoy the truths that the apostles, the truths that you and I that know Christ, that we know as well. God reveals our responsibility. And hear me today, your responsibility is to be in one accord in prayer. How's your unity? How's your prayer life? And how's your supplication? Are you thanking God? Are you praising him? Are you thankful for what he is and who he is and what he's done in your life? Are you satisfied with what he's doing, even though things might seem chaotic and out of control? Are you, are you praising God for being a God that's sovereign, that holds you in his hand? No one can pluck you out. The trump's gonna sound. And there's a job to do, church. And your responsibility is to be in accord, one accord in prayer and supplication because others will be encouraged by this way that you live.